Welcome back to the Green Light Podcast. Green Light. It's Jackson here. And Lauren. And we are here talking about some movies. That's right. We're talking about some movies. And um, yeah, we'll get to it later, but we, we do have a bit of an announcement. Yes, um, we but do. But first of all, let's talk about, let's see if we have any new reviews. Uh-oh. Review check. I, I'm going to guess no. <laughs> I, I would put money on that. Wrong but review we'll see. to assume. Um, Our listeners are very good at doing homework, Lauren. You nope, should know this. Not this week. <laughs> They're awful. You're awful at doing homework. You're the worst. We hate you. Just no, kidding. We, don't. we love you. We love you. You're great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, if you can, leave us a rating and a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Literally, it would like, greatly th- help us. While the ratings do help, if you actually, like, say literally anything along with the five star rating that helps even more and like, we'll probably read it on this show more. no matter what you say that's right even Unless if you it's... say you hate us yeah you could say you we hate might us. make fun of you if you say you hate us yeah but... <laughs> we reserve that right for sure yeah. uh but yeah do that please uh, yeah. we really appreciate it um we also have a patreon yeah uh uh please join that patreon club yeah, we time. just dropped another green lit episode. Oh, we did, didn't we? We watched the Blues Brothers at uh, the request of Jackson's father. Yes, and that was a good one. It's a it's a yeah. great movie. I had never seen it. We it was had great. a good time. I uh, had some good, very high calorie drinks. Yeah, and uh, it was uh, it was a lovely time. Yeah, it was a lovely time. Uh, one more thing before we get to our announcement. Uh, follow our social medias at. Green light pod on Instagram and wait, nope. No, green light pod T- on Facebook at TGL underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter. Sorry, it'll all be in our description below. So yeah. don't go off me. Yeah, I'm. I will lie to you. You can also follow us on social media if you want. That's true. We'll always accept it. Also, be in the links in uh, the description below. Another thing you should do is check out oh, our other podcast that is returning. Yes. Uh, in just like a another week or two, um, yeah. it's Who Was That? The Mass Singer podcast. Mass Singer season six for the U.S. version is oh, premiering yeah. on September twenty second. So, oh yeah, we will probably do a little preview episode before that. We're also a mere planning on doing days. Yeah, we're wow. also planning on doing a bonus episode on our Patreon for that uh, this weekend. So yes, we are yeah. uh, watching a bit of the UK Mass Singer and talking yeah. about that. So uh, should be a delicious, lovely time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, another thing we need to talk about. So is this our announcement? Yes. Okay, this is our announcement. Buckle yeah, in, folks. This is the this is the big thing. Um, yes. so because our other show is returning in a couple weeks, and you know we've kind of been like looking at our analytics. Um, obviously this podcast started as you know just us doing audio stage readings of shows, stage readings for your ears. Yep. Um, that's and us. that's definitely like. Those are the episodes we have that have the most listens. I think that mm-hmm. that is what makes us unique. Yeah. Um. Because, you know, like what we do now, we really enjoy it. And I think that like I've definitely learned a lot of extra movie trivia from yeah, doing this. For um, sure. Which has been a blast. Um. But especially with our other show returning, we're thinking that we might um, sort of go back to our original format, but we're wanting to keep it at that once a month thing. Um, so we can try and bring you the best content that we can Yeah, and make it more of like a production, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're going to be focusing a little more on those episodes. So yeah, we, we will be going to be posting less on this, like Lauren said, uh, once yeah. a month with those episodes, but, um, and hopefully you know. that means we'll be able to bring you a little bit more bonus content, you know, especially yeah. for like the $1 level on our Patreon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that other 
show will definitely still be going strong every week uh, that The Masked Singer airs. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we hope uh, people aren't too upset by it. Um, but we, we think it's best for us to be able to focus on those shows once again, as our lives are, are slowly continuing to return to normal. Yeah. Um, you know, we're getting busy and we, we want to put as much as we can into those episodes because like Lauren said, that's really who we are at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and we want that to be what this show is about, which is about, you know, uh, spreading new art and, uh, getting some, uh, uh, new creators and writers and actors out there, uh, in this ethos that we call the world. Exactly. So. I don't know. It's like, as much as I love ranting about movies, at the end of the day, we really are here to try and pick people up. Yeah. As opposed to bring them down. Yeah. And, exactly. you know, it's definitely in the moment if I see a movie I don't like, it's uh, very hard for me to stop <laughs> yeah so and, you know we'll still be doing our detours uh once yeah. a month on that episode and like lauren said this might open up more opportunities for us to do some like ramble episodes on our patreon you know yeah, maybe if we a see couple a movie times we really want to talk about yeah exactly so uh you know if you just give us one dollar a month you're you're gonna get some bonus content on there for sure yeah uh, if th if this is what you're here for exactly um and I think, is there anything else that you have to say in regards to that, my love? I don't think so. All right. And if that's what you're here for, then you're in luck, because we're still doing that this week. Yeah. Uh, so we have a couple movies. Uh, one, not old, but like, you know, 10 years ago, and then one new. Yeah. Uh, Brand what new. What would you like to start with? Well, so first of all, the movies that we're doing this week are no, Gunpowder Milkshake dark. and... Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Spooky. Um, so, I mean, I'm down to do whichever one first. Up to you. Who went first last week? I think I did. You, I'll go first this week, then. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. I will be discussing The Cabin in the Woods, a 2011 horror... Uh, it's called a horror comedy film, and I, I, I get that. So, but it, it is certainly a horror film. Uh, if you don't know anything about it, here's a little bit about it. Uh, five friends go for a break at a remote cabin where they get more than they bargain for, discovering the truth behind the cabin in the woods. Now, this synopsis is very vague, and I think it's good that it's vague. However, it definitely doesn't tell you a lot about this film. However, I went into this film knowing pretty much nothing about it. I knew that it was a horror movie, and I knew that Chris Hemsworth was in it. And that's essentially the extent of, of my knowledge on this film. And I think it actually helps to, to have very little knowledge on it. Hmm. There's a lot of things that I could talk about in regards to this film. However, I think you would enjoy it, Lauren, and I think okay. our, our viewers who, who have not, our listeners who have not seen it, would enjoy it, and I don't want to spoil any of that. Okay. One thing that I will say, and then I'll talk about it uh, later because it's part of my discussion, is that this is kind of a meta-horror film. So just just keep that in mind. Um, it's not necessarily just straight a straightforward horror film. Uh, as you know, it's a bit of a horror comedy, but yes, uh, it's a bit meta, and so that's going to come into part of my discussion. Uh, but that's all I think I'm going to say about that. Uh, if you've seen Cabin in the Woods, you know exactly what I'm talking about, how, uh, you know, so, some things that could be discussed. Um, but, you know, we're not going to talk about them here. We'll talk about them later, maybe. If you want us, uh, uh, if you want us to do a bonus episode on it, we'll have Lauren watch it, and then we can discuss all the the deep intricacies of it. Okay. However, let's let's talk about who who made this movie happen. Uh, so this movie was uh, directed by Drew Goddard. Um, Drew Goddard is is an interesting guy because it it seems like he's written, produced, and directed some things. Um, producing wise, he's uh, an executive producer on The Good Place. 
Uh, and a couple Marvel things, uh, Daredevil and the Defenders, as well as an executive producer on Lost. So a lot of well-known TV shows and a lot of very different TV shows, I feel like, which is really interesting. Um, he also was a writer, at least for a few episodes on all those things as well. Uh, he was also a writer on The Martian and World War Z, so other big projects. Um, as far as directing goes, uh, he didn't, directing actually might be the thing that he did the least. Uh, he directed obviously this movie, um, and, uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, which is another Chris Hemsworth movie that came out in 2018. So after this, uh, and also four episodes of The Good Place. Uh, but before this movie, obviously I'd say the biggest thing was probably Lost that he had done. Um, so, so just keeping that in mind as we determine whether we're going to green like this one or not. Uh, this movie, he also uh, co-wrote this movie uh, with Joss Whedon. Uh, if you recognize that name, it's probably because uh, he directed um, and wrote the first two Avengers movies. I think he directed both of them as well, but for, for sure wrote them. Uh, as well as uh, he wrote Justice League. Uh, before this as well, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Firefly, Roseanne, Atlantis the Lost Empire. Uh, he was a writer on all of those as well so definitely a, a a stacked resume resume for both joss and uh drew um so yeah some some heavyweights if you will let's talk about who's in this movie who who graces the screen uh so we have Kristen connelly as dana uh before this she was not really a, a huge star uh she was in 40 episodes of as the world turns which is a soap opera had some guest stars on some shows but that's pretty much it um, after that, after this, the most notable thing she had was House of Cards. She was on 17 episodes. Uh, but other than that, not a, not a ton of notable things. So, uh, yeah, uh, Kristen Donnelly, kind of an unknown before being the de facto lead of this movie, mm -hmm. I would say. Next, we have who we've all been waiting for. Chris Hemsworth as Kurt. Uh, we all know Chris as Thor, uh, but before this, he actually hadn't done uh, a whole lot. Uh, this came out at the same year as the first Thor movie. Uh, before this, I would say his most notable role was George Kirk in the Star Trek reboot. However, he was also in 197 episodes of a South Wales soap opera, Home and Away. What? Yeah, which I could definitely see for him, you know, <laughs> yeah. a, a young hunky guy, 197 yeah. episodes of a soap opera. So that was Chris. Uh, next, we have Anna Hutchinson as Jules. Uh, and the, the people I'm going to be mainly talking about, there are five people who journey to this cabin. And those are the main people I'm going to be talking about. I'm also going to be referencing two other people, but the, these are all the, the, the main five. Next, Anna Hutchinson is Jules, who uh, plays uh, obviously the character of Jules, but she is also attached to Chris Hemsworth in this movie. Uh, they are love interests. Uh, before this movie, her most notable role was in Power Rangers Jungle Fury. Uh, she was the yellow Cheetah Ranger. That okay. was a TV show. Cheetah and she was, Ranger. Yeah. She was also in Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior. Hey. Yeah. So pretty Decom. fun. Uh, she's been acting since, but nothing super notable, I would say. Uh, next, we have Jesse Williams as Holden. Uh, you'll probably first recognize this man for his shiny blue eyes. Uh, he plays Dr. Jackson Avery on Grey's Anatomy. Uh, he started that role in 2009, uh, so he was two years into it before this movie came out. But I think this movie started filming actually in 2009, so uh, kind of even before he was uh, uh, super big in that. Uh, obviously, it, he's still playing that role, and he's been on 270 episodes of it, so that's kind of his, his big thing. Before this, he was in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants too. What? As Leo. Uh, the final of these main five, we have uh, Fran Cons as Marty, our stoner. Uh, he has 73 credits, so he's a working man. Uh, 
not a ton of like super noticeable credits before this. Um, he's been in things that are recognizable, but his role in them is not recognizable. Uh, some of those include Frasier, Donnie Darko, Training Day, and Hitch. Uh, but yeah, obviously still working uh, in some capacity, so so definitely good for him. Uh, the next two people I want to bring up are two kind of acting legends uh, who definitely play a, a fairly major role in this movie. Uh, Richard Jenkins as Sitterson and Bradley Whitford as Hadley. Uh, these fellows are, you know, acting legends, so just wanted to bring them up, but don't think we need to dive too much into them. Uh, if you want to know about them, look them up. So, let's just talk about some 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 things about this uh, movie. Um, as, as I mentioned before, I don't want to explain too much about it, uh, but it is... To note, uh, Lauren's pulling hair off of me right now. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> uh, that this film is fairly beloved amongst the horror community because it is like it's really cleverly written, uh, and because it sort of, uh, as I said, it was meta. So it, it definitely dives into those like typical tropes and things of horror movies, and then uh, in, in a way, kind of turns them on their head, which I think is uh, really interesting. Uh, and actually, my, the bulk of what I'm going to talk about is how other meta horror movies have done and the success of them. So we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Um, just a little bit of a quote from uh, Joss Whedon before, before I jump into that. Uh, and then one other fact. Uh, he described the film as an attempt to revitalize the horror genre. He allied it to a loving hate letter to the genre. Hmm. And here's, here's uh, his direct quote. Uh, it's a serious critique of what we love and what we don't about horror movies. I love being scared. I love that mixture of thrill, of horror, that objectification, identification of thing, thing of wanting, uh, definitely for the people to be all right, but at the same time hoping they'll go somewhere dark and face something awful. The things that I don't like are kids acting like idiots, the de-evolution of the horror movie into torture porn, and into a long series of sadistic comeuppance. Drew and I both felt that the pendulum had swung a little too far in that direction. So uh, I think that's just sort of a, a mindset before, uh, you know, going into this movie and talking about it is uh, sort of what this movie was trying to do, in a way. Um, another thing about this... Uh, actually, I don't know. This this does... This does it doesn't really spoil it. Um, I'll just say this, and I, I'll, I'll it, it, the, the, this is vague for a reason. Because of the sheer number of creatures that were uh, to be designed, uh, AFX Studios' David Leroy Anderson estimated that close to a thousand people were turned into one of around 60 different monster types. Wow. Uh, and I think that's really cool because I think it shows the commitment to sort of practical effects in this movie. Yeah. Uh, there are some moments of CGI, but I think a, a, a lot of effects in this movie definitely were achieved practically, which I think is, is really cool. So, as I mentioned before, uh, this movie is a meta-horror movie, and uh, l let's look at some of the success of other meta-horror movies, see, see how they did. Uh, so first, we're going to talk about one that's known by pretty much everyone, Scream. Uh, this is a classic of the horror genre, and is also sort of one of the first major meta-horror movies that became a classic. Definitely self-aware, funny at times for sure, uh, but also does a great job, as I think Cabin in the Woods does, of also being genuinely scary yeah. at the time, even though there are comedic elements in it. Yeah, and I think what, what I like about Scream that, you know, I mean, this definitely is the meta thing, yeah. but um, I love that in the world of most horror movies, like, horror movies don't exist yeah whereas yeah. with scream it's like they're directly saying like oh yeah this is just like halloween oh yeah this is just like whatever and that like contributes to 
you know, the, the killers wanting to be like horror movie villains. Oh yeah. You know, hundred percent. Um, so yeah. yeah. So I think that's very cool about screen. Yeah, totally. Uh, obviously because we're talking about it and, uh, we've actually talked about it before on this show cause we watched it. Yeah. Um, it's very successful spawned three sequels and then a new TV show coming out, I think soon. Yeah. I yeah. believe. Um, so, uh, box office wise had a budget of 14 million box office worldwide of 173 million, which is a great profit, uh, right there. So scream, obviously one of the best that we're going to talk about, but you know, a successful meta horror movie. Next we have Shaun of the dead. Uh, this is, this is probably our funny. Well, another one we're going to talk about is definitely also an outright funny horror movie. Uh, but I, the humor is what leads to a lot of the, uh, meta elements, um, not necessarily making fun of them, but certainly poking fun at them in, in a bit of a way. Uh, this is part of the, uh, I believe it's pronounced Cornetto trilogy, uh, Ed- Edgar Wright's trilogy with most of the same cast. And, uh, though the movies don't necessarily connect, uh, it's still, uh, you know, it's just an interesting little, what, what he calls a trilogy. Um, so this one obviously is probably a cult classic and a horror comedy classic. Uh, it had a budget of only four million pounds and pounds because it's British. Wow! Uh, but made about thirty million dollars worldwide. So once again, a, a really great uh, profit margin there. Yeah, you would say. Um, next, we have another movie that we talked about on the show: Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I knew you were going to talk about that. I guess we did oh, it yeah. as a green lit, not as on the show. I guess show, that's but true. So if you yeah. want to hear us talk about it, uh, go over to our Patreon. Uh, so another one that's a that's a comedy with horror elements, but it still fits this meta bill very well. Um, I think I really like this one because it takes the tropes and expectations of a horror movie and sort of turns it on its head. And I the characters are very aware of the tropes, and because of that, they almost like find themselves falling into those tropes oh, yeah. or like other tropes uh, in a way. It, it, all in all, a great film, and once again, a greenlit classic. So yeah. check that out if you if you haven't heard it already. Um, this one unfortunately was not as successful box office wise, even though today it had I'd a say big it's festival run. So I think that's yeah. part of it. Like it, it wasn't in a lot of theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it had a budget of about 5 million and made about 5.7 million at the box office. So a technical profit. However, when you take into account marketing and stuff like that, probably not, but you know, it's definitely become a huge cult classic definitely. and, and definitely, um, a lot of people stream it to this day as did we. Next, I'm going to talk about a couple of movies that I actually haven't seen, but I'm still going to talk about them. Uh, so, Rubber. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't, have, have you heard of this one? Yes. The, yeah. the tire that kills people, but not yes. by running them over. <laughs> Correct. Uh, so, the tags on IMDb include horror spoof, murder, absurdism, and tire. <laughs> It's a a, a satirical slasher film, uh, like Lauren said, about a tire that comes to life and kills people with psychokinetic powers. Um, It seems like there's direct references to itself throughout. uh, Seems to be liked by critics. However, maybe a similar where it it did the festival circuit uh, had a budget of 500,000. And made 101,000 at the box office from what I could see. So not a success in, in that regard. Uh, the final movie I want to talk about, uh, this is actually sort of one of the OG meta horror movies, in a way almost created a bit of the meta, um, called Peeping Tom. Um, mm. It's a disturbing take on the life of a compulsive killer whose murderous goal is to photograph young women's final expression of fear before their death. Oh, God. Uh, this one's a bit of a like a, a, a grandfather to slasher films. And when it first came out, it actually severely negatively impacted the director's career. Um... 
just because people thought it was it was a little bit uh, you know too raw things like that since then it's attracted a cult following and is now considered a masterpiece um this one is also british had a budget of 135,000 pounds but only grossed 24,640 so a bit of a uh, a bit of a letdown there um so we do have a bit of a pattern here though i feel like with critical successes not always financial successes though mm-hmm. you know so so uh, some are some aren't so now we're going to get into my thoughts, how I feel about this movie. I really like this movie. I do. I think there are a lot of great things about this film. And one thing that I think is really great about this film, which I particularly love in movies, some people don't. Some people don't care about, you know, uh, whether it be spoilers or just like, you know, this movie keeps you guessing. And it keeps you intrigued. You're like, what is really going on here? What's actually happening? And it, it, at the end, it's it's a bit of a mystery. Um, and But I think it, it does a great job of sort of slowly revealing more and more information about what's really going on. And and that's the kind of movie that I really enjoy. Yeah. Something that, that, that keeps me guessing. And, you know, in a horror movie, I think it, it has all the things that I need. You know, some of, some of the cheesy slasher moments. Uh, I'm a big slasher guy. I feel like that's my favorite type of horror movie. I'm not really into like the supernatural elements because those scare me too much I think um but this type of like you know slasher it also is a bit of a creature feature when you when you get down to it Mm -hmm. um but I I I really like just the overall idea of it the what they were trying to do unfortunately Joss Whedon is not a a great human being in fact someone argue he's an awful human being um but I, I think what he and Drew Goddard did here is really impressive, and I understand why it's considered sort of a, a classic, a, a recent classic in the horror genre, um, especially for people who really like horror movies. And I think if you re- the more you like horror movies, probably the more you might even get out of this um, because, you know, it's really smartly written. Um, and, and at the same time, I don't think it is, like, too difficult to yeah. get. You know, it's, it's not too convoluted, and it's like, oh, what's happening here? Uh, but I, I had a really good viewing experience, and I think if you like slasher movies, or even if you don't, uh, I think you'll you'll really enjoy it. Um, writing, obviously good, like I mentioned, uh, from a creative standpoint, also from a comedy standpoint, I think there are some legitimately funny moments. Um, I think Fran Collins as a stoner is really great in this movie, um, and I think they handle the tropes really well. Yeah. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll admit it, I was a little bit scared by it. <laughs> and I, I, I think that's that's what shows how successful of a movie it is, that not only was I able to buy in with the story and everything like that, but I really was able to buy in of with, like, the horror elements, too. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll say this, like, a lot, some horror movies don't have great stories. Let's be honest. It's about yeah. the scares. And I think if, if that's a qualm, qualm, qualm. Yeah, qualm that you have, you have a qualm yeah. that you have with uh, a lot of horror movies, and it's like, well, they don't have great stories. It's all about the scares. Right. I think this would be a good one for you. Good. Um, also, the performances were solid. Cool to see young Chrissy Hemsworth before he really burst out on the scene, and I think uh, everyone does a pretty good job um, um, for this genre and for what they're asked to do. Uh, also, it really is like when I said uh, Bradley Woodford and and Richard Jenkins are. Uh, are masters at their craft. Even in just these roles, you can really tell. I Bradley Whitford is is a guy that I'm really starting to admire the more and more that I see him in movies. Um, I just think he's a he's a fantastic actor. So, with with obviously personally, I would green light this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even beyond that, I think it's pretty clear that uh, 
you know, whether the actors that they had had been had big credits before. I think both of the writer and both of the writers and the director did have some solid stuff under their belt. Um, you know, with Lost, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, etc. Uh, so I I think this movie. Uh, as a producer looking at this movie, you have some good people attached to it, and you have some people that you you, you think might break out, obviously, right. with someone like Chris Hemsworth. Um, and also, just the fact that it, this is so smartly written. Um, you know, once again, I think you, you're bound for a critical success one way or the other. Whether it's financially successful, TBD. But it turned out that, uh, uh, to my knowledge, hold on, actually, I didn't even look... Uh, if this was, but uh, I believe it also was a uh, financial success as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, estimated budget of thirty million, uh, worldwide gross of seventy million. So not a huge margin, but still good enough to be considered a success for yeah. sure. Time for two truths and a lie. One lie. Truth number one. During production. MGM saw the dailies of a scene where Chris Hemsworth instructs his friends. On the basis of his performance, they signed him on for Red Dawn. Two days later, Hemsworth was also chosen to play the lead in Thor. Both Red Dawn and Cabin in the Woods would eventually be delayed for several years when MGM went bankrupt, and Red Dawn was finally released a year after Thor. Okay. I guess that seems accurate since you said Cabin in the Woods and Thor came out the same year. Because at first I was like, that's sketchy. If he was cast in Thor during Cabin in the Woods. Fact number two, Lauren, you I'll, a bit of a backstory. Uh, the um, the, I'll, I'll just read this because it pretty much gives all the thing. Okay. The thermal coffee mug slash bong was a fully functional mug and fully functional bong, as portrayed in the film. The prototype of which cost five thousand dollars to make. Fact number three. Shailene Woodley, I, oh, I know God. you'll like this, was meant to play the lead in this film. However, filming conflicted with The Descendants, not the Disney's Descendants, but the movie where she got her big break opposite of George Clooney. I don't know. It's like, I feel like the this person was supposed to play this role is always the easiest thing to make up. But I'm also wondering if the cost to make the prototype was not accurate i actually i know someone who has a coffee mug bong do you really yeah <laughs> but um well you should have asked him how functional for both yeah. yeah well i'm sure it didn't cost that much but maybe the prototype you know it was a brand new thing and when this was created um i think the first one's true um sweat trickling down her face as she tries shut to up dun 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 I think the prototype didn't cost $5,000. So you're going to say number two is uh, the lie? You're smiling, so I'm going to say number three. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. No, I'm I'm reading you. You're not hiding your emotions, so I'm going to say number three. <laughs> okay. Lauren locked in her answer of number two. No, I did not. And number two was true. Number three was the lie. <laughs> I, <laughs> I also that said earlier that I think that, you know, those are the easiest to make up. So that's probably the lie. Yep. I said that. And then you didn't go with it. I did choose Shailene Woodley because I knew it would make you bad. I, I yeah. wasn't, that one wasn't as good of a lie. I was just like, oh, Shailene Woodley will be funny. <laughs> However, I still got you, so good for me. Uh, no, you didn't. Anyways, you didn't. another win for Jackson, and nah, now we're moving on I don't think so. to Gunpowder Milkshake. Okay, whatever. 
Um, so Gunpowder Milkshake is a 2021 Netflix film. Yes, it is. Uh, with a stacked cast, but I'm going to get into that later. A big old cast. So, uh, this is a very long summary that I copied down word for word from IMDb in my notebook. Uh, in her turbulent life as a professional assassin, Scarlet was cruelly forced to abandon her daughter Sam and go on the run. Years later, despite the sorry, despite the estrangement, Sam has also grown up into a cold-blooded hit woman. After a high-stakes mission spins out of control, putting an innocent eight-year-old girl in the middle of the uh, gang war she has now unleashed, Sam has no choice but to go rogue. This ultimately leads her back to her mother and her former hitwoman sidekicks, who all join forces in an avenging war against those who took everything from them. Mm. Okay, so basically, my summary, this is John Wick 3 meets Kingsman, but make it women. That's pretty accurate, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So like I said, this has a stacked cast. So Sam, our leading lady, is Karen Gillan, um, known for quite a variety of things. Uh, She got her big break. Her first big thing was Doctor Who. She was Amy Pond. Amy Pond. Yeah. uh, One of my favorite companions. Yeah. Matt Smith, uh, his time as the Doctor. Uh, She's known for the Marvel Marvel, uh, Cinematic Universe as Nebula. Mm -hmm. Great in that absolutely great in that uh she is in the new jumanji movie so welcome to the jungle and the next level also great as in that. ruby uh she actually has a smallish role in the call of the wild uh that movie oh, with this bad cgi dog yeah with uh, harrison ford yeah yeah yeah. and then she actually has a tiny vo role in spies in disguise oh fun fun thing uh okay uh lena hetty or as karen gillen i guess pronounces it lena Heady. not sure if she's just scottish or if that's how you pronounce it <laughs> But who knows? Carrie Gillett is Scottish. Yeah. To clarify. Very, very Scottish. And she's a giant. Yeah, she's, she's very tall. She's 5'10". 5'10 and three quarters. Uh, almost 5'11". Yeah. Uh, anyway, she is most well known for playing Cersei in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was also in Fighting With My Family. She yeah. was Florence Pugh's mom. Another movie we've talked about on the show. Yeah. She has been in tons of films that I mostly don't know, hmm. but she's also done a lot of voiceover work for children's animation and video games. Oh, cool. Um, I mean, some like Game of Thrones related, but she also had VO in like Dishonored 2, like there was a Final Fantasy thing. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, lots of stuff like that. Dope she was AF. also in like Possession, 300. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. So lots of huge credits for her. I'm going through these kind of fast because there's a lot of really big people in this. Sparta! Uh, Carla Gugino, I assume Mm -hmm. her name is pronounced. Um, So she was recently in both uh, Haunting of Bly Manor and Haunting of Hill House. Mm -hmm. She was in San Andreas uh, with The Rock. Oh. And also someone else we're going to talk about later. Um, It's Paul Giamatti. Um, Uh, (laughs) Paulie G. Weirdly enough, she was the voice of the ship in Justice League slash Snyder Cut Justice League. Like, oh, I guess like the, the ship's voice? As far as, like... Um, like a spaceship? Like the, like the... Yeah. Oh, the door is open. Yeah, that's what I, I would don't imagine. Know. Shielded Interesting. 30%, whatever. Yeah. Uh, she <laughs> was in Mr... She starred in Mr. Poppins' Penguins alongside... Oh, oh my God, why can't I remember his name right Jim now? Jim Carrey. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know why my, my mind said James McAvoy, that's and that's a, wrong. That's a lovely film. Uh, she was in a couple of episodes of New Girl, a few episodes of Entourage, she was in Race to Witch Mountain, also with The Rock. A great movie. Yeah. Uh, she was in the Watchmen movie. She was Sally Jupiter slash the Silk Spectre. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. She was in Night at the Museum, uh, starred yes. in that. Oh, yeah. And she was in the first three Spy Kids movies. Great. The mom, right? 
Yes. Yep. I, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was also, her very first credit was, she was in an episode of Who's the Boss? So there's cool. that. <laughs> um, my, uh, Michelle, I am not sure how to pronounce his last name. Is it Yo? I believe so. Okay. Michelle Yo. Uh, yeah. So she is in uh, Shang-Chi right now. Yes. Uh, that's her big thing. She was in the Star Trek Discovery series, um, also Crazy Rich Asians. I think that's where a lot of people recognize her from right now. Yeah. Uh, she was in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, oh. which you might remember her from. She was like the leader of the Ravagers. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she did some VO for Kung Fu Panda 2. She was in the Mummy Tomb of the Dragon with uh, King Brendan Fraser. Oh, yes. Dragon Emperor, sorry. Yeah. Uh, she was in the film version of Memoirs of a Geisha, which I actually didn't know had a movie adaptation. Oh, cool. Uh, she was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, um, another pretty big like woman-led action film. Uh, and then she was in Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, which is one of the Pierce Bros and James Bond films. Ah, uh, Yes. All right, uh, Angela Bassett. We all oh, yeah, know Angela queen. Bassett. Um, yeah, so she is, one of the things she's super well known for is 911. She's also an executive producer on 911 Lone Star. Uh, she did some voiceover for Soul. She's been in lots of American Horror Story. Uh, she's in the MCU as Ramonda, so that's Black Panther's mom. Yes. Uh, she was in BoJack Horseman as Anna St- uh, Spanakopita, Spanakopita mm. uh, which uh, is part of the part of BoJack I'm watching right now. Uh, she was in Mission Impossible Fallout, Green Lantern, uh, lots and lots of ER. Meet the Robinsons. She was the voiceover for Shatter in Bumblebee. Ooh. Uh, Shatter. And then uh, she was also in a Tina, Tina Turner biopic. She Like, she was Tina Turner. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, that was, like, in the 90s. Uh, Paul Giamatti. Paulie G. Yeah, you might have just talked about him because he was just in Jungle Cruise. <laughs> I did, yeah. I didn't yeah. go into too many of his credits just because okay. we all know Paulie G. Yeah, well, but uh, you can go into yeah, it. here's a couple smaller things you might not know he did. He uh, did voiceover for the Ratchet and Clank movie. He wasn't Ratchet or Clank. There was a movie? Apparently. Yeah. Are you sure it's not for the video game? It said movie. Like, it had a runtime. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, 99% sure. He also did VO for the Netflix Little Prince movie, which I talked about a long time ago on this show for mm. a detour. Yeah. Uh, like I said, he was also in San Andreas with The Rock. He was in Straight Outta Compton, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Saving Mr. Banks. He was second build in Turbo, um, that snail racing movie. Sure. Uh, he was in The Hangover 2, uh, Cinderella Man, Sideways, Planet of the Apes, uh, Saving Private Ryan, I think was kind of his first big thing. And then he actually had a very small role in The Truman Show. Oh. Yeah. He was the control room director, I mm. believe. Um, and the last person I want to talk about acting wise is Chloe Coleman, who is the, uh, she's Emily. So she's the eight year old girl in this. Uh, she's oh, actually sure. almost 13 though. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so she, she's had like, I mean, a lot of credits, especially for someone who is not even 13. Yep. Um, but her first kind of big things that got her noticed were she was in some of Superstore episode of Henry Danger. Uh, I think her big break was definitely Big Little Lies. Nice. And then she was just recently in My Spy with Dave Bautista. Uh, and then she also is currently doing voiceover for the TV shows Kinderwood and Puppy Dog Pals. Nice. And she's been in a few episodes of the series Upload. Cool. So, yeah. Upgrade. But, I mean, she's great. She was, like, you know, acting her butt off in this. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so this is a writer-director film. I think this is definitely a situation where, you know, like, he wrote the movie, Netflix bought it, and hired him as the director for it as well. Yeah, for sure. Um. Because this is definitely like the first thing I've heard of that he's done, but he has written and produced a few other features. I think he might have directed at least some of them as well. 
Um, his name, and now I can't read my writing. I don't know if this is an R or a V, but I think it's a V. Uh, Navot uh, Papashado. Uh, he's Israeli. Um, but yeah, he wrote and directed this. Nice. Um, okay, so I did kind of want to talk about just like women-led action movies because something that I really enjoyed about this film is the fact that it's a kind of goofy, mostly meaningless action movie led by women. And we don't get a lot of those, you know. Every time there's an action movie led by a woman, it's always like, oh, well, she's an assassin, but she's going to become, like, softer and fall in love (laughs) and become a mother. And, like, that's her growth, you know. Or... Or, or it's a thing of like, oh, well, she's a femme fatale, and like, really, what this movie is about is the men that she's screwing over. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I think we have a lot of like issues of movies like that. Uh, but thankfully, we are starting to have some more of these like women-led action movies that yeah. are directed by women, which I think makes a big difference. Um, was while this directed I think, by a woman? No, it was not. Okay. Um, while I do think this movie was like handled well, there are definitely a couple moments, especially like with dialogue, where you're like, yeah. this was written by a man. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's I'm willing to look past it for this one because like it at the end it is very much not about a man. It's very much about like the sisterhood that these women find and yeah. them like overthrowing the men. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so some examples of women-led action movies, uh, some more recently than others. Uh, Wonder Woman, directed by Patty Jenkins. Uh, there's also yep. Wonder Woman 1984. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, directed by Anna Bowden. Atomic Blonde, directed by David Leitch. Uh, the Alien and Aliens, uh, directed by Ridley Scott and James True. Cameron, respected respectively classics uh charlie's angels the 2000 movie based on the tv show by ryan rowe directed by ryan rowe and then the new one that did not do well directed by elizabeth banks yep Uh um red sparrow directed by francis lawrence that was that jennifer lawrence movie i wonder if they're related to lawrence's jennifer lawrence and who francis lawrence maybe i lawrence probably a common last name but i maybe. mean definitely common last name but yeah. anyway uh and then black widow which we talked about directed by kate shortland uh and laura croft tomb raider that's the angelina jolie one and just tomb raider oh yeah um directed by simon west and roar uthog respectively nice okay so yeah there's all those now i think that the standard for a lot of movies in terms of feminism is the bechdel test but i think what it's frustrating to me that there's still so many movies that are like, oh, well, we passed the Bechtel test. Yay. When yeah. the only requirements for the Bechtel test is you have to have two women with names and they have to talk to each other about not a man. Yeah. Like the bar is literally on that the is floor. on the floor. Yeah. And I will say that even though a lot of these movies do have their problems, uh, especially Charlie's Angels looking at you, um, the only one that doesn't pass the Bechtel test is Lara Croft Tomb Raider, the Angelina Jolie one, because the other women don't have names. Ah. Uh, They're like Inuit woman. Ah, <laughs> uh, good. Yeah. Love good. to hear it. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah, but all the rest of them do pass the Bechtel test, but again, that doesn't mean that they are feminist. So a common theme in a lot of women-themed action movies is again that they are femme fatales. Um, femme fatale is defined as an attractive or seductive woman, especially one who is likely to cause disaster or distress to a man. Hmm. To a man. To a man. Who uh, becomes involved with her. So now that doesn't always mean romantically. I think a lot of times it's just presented as like a woman who uses her feminine wiles to like get out of situations. Yeah. You know, to like seduce a man into thinking that, you know, she's not a threat. Yeah. 
to then murder them. That's mm-hmm. how it's presented in a lot of ways. And I think that, like, I do appreciate the evolution that the character Black Widow has had in the sense that the first time we see her in the MCU, she is very much a femme fatale. Oh, yeah. Like, 100%. she's literally wearing just, like, head-to-toe black leather, you know, or, like, a low-cut yep. dress and is, like, tied to a chair, you know. Because I feel like a lot of times femme fatales are presented in this kind of, like, sexually submissive way to then, like, break out of that and overcome that or whatever. And, like, I don't know. We're expected to think that's feminist. Yeah. But, like, it's (laughs) really not. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Because, again, it is still, like, very male gazy. It is still in service to men. Yeah. Um... Anyway, yeah, uh, that's that's my rant about femme fatale movies. Um, yeah, so basically what I'm getting at here is just because a woman leads a film does not make that film inherently progressive. You know, again, yeah. like Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, yes, it's led by a woman, but she's supposed to be hot and none of the other women have names. Yep. You know, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, I do think Atomic Blonde did something well because even though there is like a love story in it, it's with a woman. It's not yeah. with a man, you uh-huh. know, so... You know, I, while there is still the, like, uh, action star has to fall in love for us to empathize with her, you know, like, yeah. I do at least appreciate that they didn't make it about a man. Yeah, 100%. Um, anyway, so another thing I just kind of wanted to talk about that I kind of touched on is that, like, women can't have meaningless action movies, you know? Like, mm. men have plenty of meaningless action movies. I'm looking yeah. at you, all the Mission Impossibles and the John Wicks. And those movies are great. Like, I enjoy a meaningless action movie. They're really fun to watch. They have great sequences. And I think a lot of the criticism of this movie has been based on the fact that people are wanting, you know, a really strong plot. Yeah. When this is clearly just supposed to be a vehicle for great action sequences. Yeah, for sure. You know, and a showcase for these really strong, very famous actors. Yeah. (laughs) So... So I think that if you go into this movie with that expectation, that you're going to see some great fights. Like, I love the use of improvised weapons in this movie. There's, like, a great fight in a bowling alley with bowling balls. There's a fight where, like, she doesn't have use of her arms, so she has a knife and a gun taped to her arms. Yeah. Like, Just slings them around. There's a fight where she's just, like, pulling (laughs) random items and hitting people with them. Like, there's she has a fight sequence with a gold bar. Yeah. So, you know, there's someone who dies by uh, milkshake, like... This yes, is, there is. This is a really kind of like over the top in a John Wick way fighty movie. Yeah. And that's the point of it. Yeah. And yeah, so I think that's a lot of fun. And I mean, really like watching this, this is exactly the kind of movie I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> just a, a fun movie where I don't have to cry because yeah. it's you are hard pressed to find a movie led by a woman where she doesn't spend half of it crying. Yeah. Um. Or, you know breathing heavily looking at you gravity starring sandra bullock <laughs> lol um <laughs> starring sandra bullock <laughs> <laughs> anyway you know whatever i mean it, it was kind of boring but like it, yeah. it is a well-made movie but you know like i think that we need to get away from the idea that for a movie to be worthwhile that stars mm-hmm. a woman they have to go through this like gut-wrenching emotional trauma you know like yeah. and i mean like she does have a lot of stuff going on she was abandoned by her mom yeah. When she was a teenager. Like, she has stuff That's going big. on. pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, like, you know, now stuck with this eight-year-old that she, like, comes to love and take care of, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, like, it still does have some of that stuff. But, yeah, I think we need more uh, meaningless action movies starring women. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, as you might 
have surmised, I did enjoy this movie and I will green light it. It is tough Agreed. to figure out how much money it's made because it has had a streaming release on Netflix. Yeah, um, that's fair. But, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people have seen it already and it's been featured heavily on Netflix, which means that a lot of people are going to see it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Netflix is making plenty of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I did actually want to read a review that someone wrote on IMDb that I think sums up most of my thoughts. Let's go. This is from Brentridge5000. Shout out Brentridge. Um, yeah, they gave it an 8 out of 10 and titled it, Why So Much Negativity? This Was a Banger. <laughs> Ignore all the negative re- reviews on here. This film is exactly what it says on the tin. Essentially, a female John Wick, and it owns that. The dialogue is snappy, the performances are winking, the actors are having fun, and it's generally just a good time. If you enjoyed Keanu Reeves checking into a hotel with an infinite amount of magic coins and using all sorts of code words for guns to avenge his dog, <laughs> you can handle Karen Gillan doing the same with classic works of literature to protect a little girl. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Their safe space is kind of this, like, library, and all the guns are hidden in, like, classic in, literature books. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I, I love. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I had a great time with this. This only has a 6 out of 10 on IMDb, uh, 61% tomato meter, but 49% audience score, which I think is incorrect. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I, th- that's weird. It feels like a movie that would be higher on the, on uh, the audience, audience score. score. Yeah, I would agree. But again, it's like, I think that, I think that a lot of people, when they see a woman-led action film, expect her to have more of like an emotional arc. Yeah. And I... You know, it's like, I just don't think that action movies need that. Like, that a pure action movie needs that. Yeah. You know, and I think that, like, there was a little bit of a a disagreement in our house about, like, whether or not this movie was self-aware. And I think it definitely was. Uh, Yeah, I think it 100% is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, if you view it that way, in a way of, like, where it's a little bit spoofy, then I think you'll enjoy it. And I I just, like, enjoy the fights. Because they're great. Have fun. Have fun. Live a little. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, here's my two truths and a lie. This All is right. a green, lit for, green light for me, Big in green. case you were confused. <clears throat> Joanna Bobin, also known as Rose in this, so the woman who runs the diner. Yes. Uh, is now known for her role in Bridgerton, but she was actually cast in this role as an homage to her stunt work in the Charlie's Angel TV series. She was Farrah Fawcett's stunt double. Truth number two. Karen Gillan owns a wig made of her own hair. That's it. That's the whole thing. Okay. True number. See, that one I buy because of Nebula. Mm. Um, truth number three. Yes. This is actually Angela Bassett's second time playing a character named Anna May. The first being in the aforementioned Tina Turner biopic. I thought you said she played Tina Turner. I don't know what Tina Turner's real name is. Tina Turner's real name? Uh, (laughs) You dog. Hold on. (laughs) Um, Oh, this is kind of hard. You did good. You did (laughs) good, Lauren. Thank you. (laughs) I I feel like the second one is true because of the MCU. But now I'm curious if you you just thought I would think that and and then put that in there. I don't know. Anime. I feel like... I feel like the third one has to be true because either that or I, I think because I feel like you would think I wouldn't pay attention to when you said the Tina Turner thing or you think I would know that. And then you'd be like, oh, that's the lie because obviously she was Tina Turner. But maybe that's Tina. I don't know Tina Turner's real name. If it is Tina Turner. Sorry, Tina. <laughs> but the first one. I don't know. I guess I want the second and third one to be true. So I'll say the first one. Dang. 
Ah, uh, gotcha! Oh, I did it! <laughs> yeah, the first one's the lie. She did not do stunt work for Charlie's Angels. <laughs> really? No. Not at all. <laughs> huh, interesting. That was, so that was just off the top of your head? That was purely a lie. She is known for her role in Bridgerton now. But, okay, well, cool. Um, Good yeah, luck, you Yeah, so Karen me. Gillan, um, yeah, she when she had to shave her head for Nebula, yeah. Marvel gifted her with a wig made out of all the hair that was cut off of her head. That's wild. And uh, she actually later had it made into hair extensions for when her hair did kind of start to grow back. Oh, cool. So Sarah. she still, like, wears them. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting and a little creepy. A little creepy. Well, she said it was a little creepy. Uh, but, we love you, know, you though, Karen. That's I okay. think she's great. No, she's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess that's all for us. That was fun. That is all for us. That was that was a fun show. Uh, thank you all for listening. We really yeah. appreciate it. We'll be back to our old format next week in yeah. a mere week's time. And then uh, every month continuing from that. Correct. So uh, thanks for listening, y'all. We really appreciate your continued support. Yeah. We love you guys. We love you. Thank you.